But I've entitled my message this evening, Expecting Jesus. Amen? Expecting Jesus. Expecting the Lord. Over the past several weeks, um, for those of you that have been here, you know, in our services, God is just doing something. Amen? And we just need to take time to acknowledge what he's doing. Amen? We've seen people healed. We've seen people, you know, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have testimonies of, of, a, of a woman. Um, uh, she's not here tonight, but, but Sister Blanca Alicia, she got prayed for because she had some issues with one of her legs and, and one of her hips. And, and she believes that her leg grew and that God straightened out her back and, and straightened out her pain. And, and that's the kind of God that we serve. Amen? You should be more excited about this. Amen? But we've seen people receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, amen? We've seen people accept Christ, give their heart to Jesus. And so the presence of God, church, is definitely in our midst, amen? I said the presence of Jesus is definitely in our midst. How do we know this? Mark chapter 16, this is just paraphrased, but Mark chapter 16 talks about, you know, uh, uh, that, that the, the disciples, that they would cast out demons, that they would pray for the sick and they would recover, that they would speak in new tongues. Amen. When the spirit of God is moving, the fruit of the spirit is evident. Amen. Uh, Galatians chapter five and verse 22 says the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Amen. It said against such things, there is no law. It said, and those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, that's part of knowing him. That's part of seeing his presence in your midst. Is that it would change your countenance. It would change the way that you live. It would change the way that you look to the world. Amen? That there would be love in your life that you didn't possess before you met Jesus. Amen? That there would be a joy in your life that you possessed that, that you didn't have before you met Jesus. So when you encounter the presence of the living God, when you step into the presence of God and you see the Lord move in your midst, it should have an effect upon your life. People should leave this place not just the same or not just saying, oh, that was a nice service or a good preaching or a good message. But it should have an effect in your life that carries beyond the walls of the four corners of the church. And it's just like that song said. It will lead us to those. It will lead us to those people that need the love of Jesus. It will lead you back to the world. This is just a filling station. Amen. This is just a filling station. This is not the end of all things. We don't just come to just be fed the word of God and, and get poured into by our pastors or ministers. We don't come just to get a pep talk for ourselves. We come to encounter the living presence of God so that we can take him to the world. Amen. This is why we gather church. And so I've been hearing again testimonies of what the Lord is doing. Praise reports in our midst and it, it, it excites my heart. How many of you have prayed for something? God's already been answering that prayer. Amen. The Lord's already doing something. Amen, 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 amen. I see all the hands. Yes, give God glory. Because that's what God does. When Jesus walked into any situation, it, the, if there was a person that was demon-possessed, they were freed. If it was an individual that was in need of healing, they were healed. If it was an individual that was, that was dead and needed resurrection, they were resurrected. This is what happens when we encounter the living God. 
People who were in this place that were once condemned are now free. Can somebody say amen tonight? People who are in this place that were once, you know, stuck in bondage or, or in addiction or once had, you know, our, our, our life and we were wayward, we were away from God. Now that you've come into the Father's love, now that you've come into adoption and, and sonship as a child of God, you know now that you're never going to be the same. This is why we worship, amen. This is why we sing these songs about the Lord because we're not just here to have a karaoke service, amen. You can do that at a club. You can do that at a bar. Listen, I don't recommend it. I'm not giving you the license to do so. But what I am saying is that when you come and you begin to sing and you begin to lift your voice to God, the Bible says that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. That is, he sets his kingdom and his atmosphere where you are and where you worship. This is the kind of God that we serve, church. And so let me tell you, every time we step into the house of God, it should not be any other way. Every time you come into church, every time that you gather with believers, every time that you come together in the name of Jesus, you can expect Jesus to show up. You can expect the presence of God. And so my, 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 the crux of my message is tonight is that we should expect nothing less than Jesus when we come together in his name. You know, I've been to a lot of church services, and I'm sure that you have too over the years. And you've been in, in, in services where, you know, you came and, and you know, they said, oh, well, it's going to be just like what we always do, right? There's going to be worship musicians and there's going to be a preacher and then there might be an altar call and you walked out the same. You say, well, that was different. What happened? You know, people gathered and, you know, they sang about Jesus. They talked about Jesus. But Jesus wasn't anywhere in the midst. Jesus wasn't there to be found. His fruit wasn't evident. When Jesus is president, it's evident. Amen? I said when Jesus is present, it is 100% evident. There's no mistaking that he is there. But if you go to a place and you gather for the sake of a preacher... Or you go and you gather for the sake of a conference. Or you go and you gather for the sake of, you know, you know this big church event that they're going to have. Or this special guest musician that's coming. Then you're not gathering in his name. He said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. Not just because you mention his name. No, you have to gather. The purpose of the gathering is because of him. Amen. The purpose of the gathering is not because of the preacher or the teacher or the or the conference or whatever. The purpose of the gathering is to meet with him. Amen. And so if our intentions of coming to church aren't to be the church, then we're missing the point. If you've come here for a miracle tonight, I pray that Jesus touches your life. If you have come here to get a word from heaven, I pray that the word speaks to your life. But listen to me carefully. If your intention of coming to church is just to receive and not to give, if it's just to receive and not to be, then we're missing the point, church. We're not called to be a social club. Can somebody say amen? We are called to be the living body of Christ. Amen. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28 says this. In him, everybody say in Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. Amen. That is expecting to see the miraculous works and power of God amongst us should be normal. 
When Jesus begins to work and he begins to do what only he can do, that should be normal Christianity. But nowadays it's not normal. It's something that happened in the Bible 2,000 years ago. Nowadays we don't look at it as normal again because it's not happening in churches in America. Who's reporting of healings? Who's reporting of, of people being delivered? Who's reporting of, of anxiety and ADHD, you know, being broken off in individuals' lives? Who's testifying about those things? Who's testifying about somebody getting out of a wheelchair? Who's testifying about a blind eye opening? No, listen, they're more satisfied with the fact that people showed up and filled a pew than they are with the living God touching their soul and their life. Sometimes people say, oh, church was awesome because a lot of people showed up. You could have a packed venue and a packed theater. You could have a packed stadium full of people. And guess what? It would not please the heart of God. But you could have two or three gathered in his name. And there he will be. Jesus isn't interested in stadiums. He's not interested in in theaters. He's not interested in, in, in these grand events that would promote idols and men more than they promote his name. I said it before, and I believe the Lord is doing this. I believe the Lord is tearing down stages. Amen. I believe the Lord is tearing down stages, and he's rebuilding altars. Amen. He's rebuilding altars. He's rebuilding that place where his worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. Because guess what? A feel-good message isn't going to get you saved. A feel-good message isn't going to change the, the trajectory of your, the eternity of your family. It's not going to happen. Only Jesus and only the gospel of Jesus can set you free. Amen. But this kind of expectancy where we expect the miraculous to be happening amongst us, it should be normal. And the kind of expectancy that I'm talking about tonight is a faith expectancy. Romans chapter 8, verse 22, let's get into this tonight. It says this, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. He says, for in this hope we were saved. He says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? He said, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Verse 26, so in the same way, the Spirit will help us in our weakness, and we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Today I realize that some of you have been waiting and expecting certain things to happen according to your plans, but listen, it shouldn't be, you know, it it should be rather that God's plan that we hope for and expect. Sometimes we're waiting for things to happen because You know, we planned it that way. We said, hey, this is what I, you know, I set into motion. This is something that I invested in. This is something that, you know, I pray for that I would be done with this by this season of my life. And God's saying, hey, listen, shouldn't you hope for my plan? Shouldn't you expect for what I desire? Let's read verse 27. Romans 8 and 27 says this. He said, and he who searches our hearts, he knows the mind of the spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
Now I'll say this because churches all around the valley, all around the nation, they can easily fall into this trap, church, of building up false expectation amongst believers. For example, they talk more about events than Emmanuel. They promote more activities than they do the Almighty. Amen? They preach more about statistics than they do the Savior. And so listen, church, I want us to get back to the very thing that will save your soul, and that is having an expectation for the power of Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? Remember the church of Acts, if, if you remember the church of Acts in, in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost happened, the, the Bible says that they were coined a people that looked drunk. They were fanatics. They were Jesus freaks. They were people that were, that were so, you know, just into the Lord. People, people looked at them and they said, man, what is wrong with these people? These people are different. These people look, look just incredibly, you know, nutty. They're, they're so into, into God. They're so willing to do whatever it is that he says. And the exact opposite has happened in churches today. Is churches have become so caring about what the seeker desires that they don't care about what the Savior desires. People are so concerned about you being comfortable to sit in the pew of a, of a church and a congregation that they're not acknowledging the one who put them in position in the first place. They're not acknowledging the head of the church, which is Jesus. And so man tries to do what man wants to do, and they do things the way that they think it should be done. I want us to expect the Lord. Amen? I want us to expect Jesus and let him do what he wants to do in our midst. Now I have to ask this question tonight. Why the need for expectancy? We have to ask ourselves this question. Why the need for expectancy? That word expect means this. To look forward to. How many of you look forward to meeting with Jesus? Amen. How many of you look forward to, to, to getting to heaven one day? Amen. How many of you look forward to fulfilling the will of God for your life? That, that word expect means to look forward to, to regard as likely to happen. To anticipate the occurrence or the coming of. It says to look for with reason or justification. It says to anticipate the birth of, that is one's child, to be expecting to be pregnant-like. The question has to be asked, what does expectation do for your faith? What does expectation do for your faith? Romans 8 and 25. Let's read it again. It says, the longer we wait, the larger we become. I'll say it one more time. The longer that we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. How many of you have ever had to wait on God? Amen? You've had to wait on Jesus for something. You put something in, in, into, into his, his office. You, you went up to heaven in prayer. You said, God, this is what it is that I'm looking for. This is what it is that I am praying for. This is something, oh God, that I am petitioning you for, Father. I want this to happen in my life, God. I want to be used by you, God. I want to see your will happen through my life. And you put that thing before God. And then it seemed as though heaven was silent. It seemed as though heaven was delayed. Say, God, I want to be used by you. Silence. Think about this. 
the waiting that God is allowing you to be in and be a part of is building your capacity for the way that he wants to use you in the future. In the waiting, church, he's building something inside of you. And I want to encourage you tonight to not lose heart. Don't lose heart in the waiting. Don't lose heart in that season of saying, God, I haven't seen the answer come to pass. God, I haven't seen that which you promised me be fulfilled yet. God, I'm still waiting, God. I'm still trusting, God. I'm still believing. But, Lord, it seems as though this thing hasn't happened. Listen, 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 church. It might take a while, but listen. Somebody say with me tonight. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. You see, it might take a season of your life. And listen, you think that it's going to take forever. Some of you have been waiting. But listen, God is not finished with your life. You might think that heaven is silent when all along God is building this thing in your life. He's building something inside of you. Can we let him work on us? We sing it right now. We said, oh, build my life, Jesus. I will build my life upon your foundation, Lord. I will build my life on everything that you are. Listen, I pray, church, that you let the builder build the way he wants to build in your life. Because if we get to building, we're not that good at it. How many of you have ever built something? Amen. I know you all got that crooked bookshelf in your house, right? Yeah, because you put it together and you tried to drill it together and you were too impatient to watch the instructions. You were too impatient to, to, to put the screws where they really belonged. And you just said, ah, oh, forget it. And you just, you made it stand up on end. I know you have that bookshelf in your house. It's kind of teetering. It's kind of, you know, looking like, you know, the leaning tower of Pisa. It looks like it's about to fall and you're praying, oh God, strengthen it every day, Jesus. Father, I've put it on your firm foundation. Listen, when you build it, it's going to fall. When you build it, it's going to fall. Remember that story? The man who built his house upon the sand? He built and he thought he was wise. He built and he thought he had it all together. He said, oh, I'm going to construct this thing and it's going to be perfect and it's going to look nice. And he asked his wife and kids to move in. He said, honey, the house is ready. Come on in. It's ready to, to be built. And then the Bible says, and the storms came. How many of you know a storm will always reveal what you've built? And a storm will always reveal and test what has been built by God. Amen? So that storm came, and what does the Bible say? Those who built their house upon the sand, it was, it was rubble, it was crushed, it was blown over. But those who build their life upon the rock, they will never be put to shame, church. You will never be put to shame in the waiting on Jesus because he's building something in you. Amen. And I believe that the Lord is not looking to pass you by. But on the contrary, the Lord is looking to pass right through you so that you could be changed forever. He's looking to make his home in your heart. He's looking to make your heart his inhabitants. Amen. Romans chapter 5, let's keep going. It says, Romans 5 and 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. It says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. 
It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Amen? How many of you have gloried in a suffering lately? That's something that we, we, we forget to do. We forget to do because we say, oh, it hurts. Oh, man, gas prices are too high. Pastor Duke, well, you know, I'm suffering. I'm hurting. Glory in your suffering. He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Amen. And perseverance produces character. Amen. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This kind of expectancy builds your faith. Because you've been waiting, amen? Because you have been patient, God is reminding somebody tonight that you will not be put to shame. The enemy always wants to creep into our heart and into our mind in that season of waiting. He's always quick to say something in that season of delay. But how many of you know the delay is not denial? Just because it seems like it took a while, just because it seemed like it took a few days longer than maybe the, 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 those in the upper room were willing to wait for the Holy Spirit, he came. Amen? He came. He showed up. He showed up just because, you know, the disciples thought that Jesus was never going to die, but he did die. And three days later, the Bible says that he rose again. Listen, he rose again. So whatever God is doing in your life or whatever he is building inside of you, you are waiting for that thing. And I want you to know that though the enemy says, listen, it's never going to happen. You're never going to receive this. You're never going to get what you prayed for. That promise is dead. It's not going to happen in your life. Listen, the word of God says you will not be put to shame. Your waiting is building up what is necessary to receive the fulfillment of God's plan for your life. I'll never forget when my wife and I were wanting children and we prayed. We said, Lord, you know, we're ready, God. We, we, we are desiring to have children in our life. Just because we prayed for it didn't mean it was like, you know, McDonald's, you know, have it your way. You know, just go through the drive-thru and, and get your stuff. No, it was actually a period of almost four years. And four years is a long time when you're waiting for something that you desperately want. Amen? And for some of you, you've been waiting even longer than that for, for a, a hope, for a promise, for something that you are trusting God for. You could be waiting, you know, as long as, 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 you know, Abraham and Sarah, you know, and Abraham waited a long time. But the promise was fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled in his life. And I'll never forget what the Lord told me in that season of waiting I wanted a child, and the Lord spoke to me very clearly one day. My wife and I had been praying, and, and I was in, in prayer, and I was just like, God, you know, can we, can we you know, get to the, to the next phase, Lord? Can we get to this place where we, we so desire to be? To, can we receive the fruit of the blessing, God? And the Lord told me very clearly, he says, listen, son. He said, I know you want to be a dad, but I need you to learn how to be a husband first. He said, I'm going to keep you in this season. I'm going to keep you here, right here, right now, so that you can not rush into that. That will come. That's going to be a part of your life. It's going to get there. Don't worry, son. But I need you to learn how to stay a husband first. 
I need you to learn the things that are most important in keeping this relationship and in leading this home. Because one day, listen, you can't lead your wife. How are you going to lead children? There's divine order to everything that God does. Amen. And so the Lord told me very clearly. He said, listen, this is why I'm making you wait. I said, hey, all right, build in me what you will. Build in me what you will, Lord. Have your way inside of my life. Oswald Chambers, he said this. He said, God does not expect us to imitate Jesus, but he expects us to allow the life of Jesus to be manifest in our mortal flesh. See, we're not supposed to just, you know, say things like Jesus said. Your kingdom come, your will be done. No, we're supposed to allow Jesus, the life of Jesus, to be manifest in our mortal flesh. Amen? In everything that we do. And so tonight I want to share with you a few things that I believe, you know, today's church should never forget as we gather. Something that is so important, church, to never forget when you come into this house and when you gather for prayer, when you gather for a Bible study, when you gather to encourage your brothers and, sp- and sisters in Christ, is this. Number one, expect his power. Expect it. I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds as though we're trying to puppet God or, or place a demand on heaven. But Matthew 18 and 20 said, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We don't have to look past the scripture to know, church, that where Jesus was, things happened. Amen? Can that become normal in the church again? Amen? Can that be normal in our gathering? To say, oh, wow, somebody was delivered today. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty common. It happens all the time. Oh, wow, somebody was saved. They got set free today. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. It happens all the time. Because the disciples who followed Jesus and who were with him every single day, that's what they witnessed. Every single day, that's what they witnessed. Wherever they went, somebody would would bring somebody that was demon-possessed to Jesus, and they'd place him at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus would cast out the demon. Or they would go to a place, and they would find somebody that was blind, or they would find somebody that had leprosy. They would encounter them, and guess what? Jesus would set them free. That was the normal life. And it must be the normal life of every person that bears the name of Jesus. Jesus himself said, and even greater things shall you do in my name because I am going to the Father. So we should expect his power. But I have to say this, church, the enemy has conditioned the body of Christ. He has conditioned the church to settle for less. In our churches today, again, I say that the enemy has done such a, a crafty job to, to slowly lull the church to sleep to where they expect less and less and less. This is where man is exalted more than the son of man. This is where entertainment is the primary reason why the people attend. Amen. This is when churches are chosen by what people can get out of it, like free coffee and a Bible, than what they can contribute to the kingdom of heaven. I'll never forget, I had an individual tell me a few years ago, they said, you know, they were looking for a church and they had stopped by our church and they said, you know, well, we've been to a lot of churches, but our kids, you know, they just don't like the the kids' ministry. And I said, oh, really? Okay. I said, your kids are choosing the church? Oh, yeah, yeah, we just want to take them wherever they're comfortable. I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Since when does a baby know what to feed itself? Amen? How many parents are in here tonight? Raise your hand if you're a parent. 
I bless God for you tonight. Don't you ever let those little munchkins dictate your life. God gave you responsibility over their life. Can somebody say amen? God allowed you to, 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 to see them into this world, and he gave you the responsibility, the Bible says, like arrows in the quiver. We are to aim them to shoot them wherever they should go. That we are to train a child up in the ways of God so when they grow old, they will not depart from it. That sounds like responsibility to me, amen? It doesn't sound like, oh, I can let my kid choose a church because they got cartoons all over the wall. We have to get back to the place, church, of responsibility, amen? We have to get back to that place where we are no, no longer choosing a ministry to be a part of or just a church that will just simply attend to our needs. Listen, this is where people think it's okay to just listen to a TED Talk and a self-help instead of listening to the preaching of the unadulterated Word of God. This is what people have been duped into in 2022, They go and listen to a pastor. I've heard some preachers and I'm going like, what are you saying? You don't even mention the name of Jesus in your message. You don't even mention the fact that he is the savior, that he's the redeemer, that he's the one who spilled his blood on Calvary for your life and for your sins. They don't mention heaven or hell anymore because guess what? You don't want to offend anybody. Listen, it's real. I had a young man in my youth ministry years ago. He asked me, he says, you know, Pastor Duke, I believe in heaven. He said, but I don't believe in hell. I said, why don't you believe in hell? He said, I don't know. I just think it's all, you know, made up or whatever. I said, so then why do you need a savior? What is he saving you from if there's no, there's no punishment or there's no torment to be saved from? I said, listen, my friend, if you believe that there is a heaven, you better believe that there is a hell. If you believe that there is a God, then you better believe that there is Satan. I said, the biggest lie that you could believe is not believing that Satan exists. I said, he's got you right where he wants you then. Because you're not even seeing the fact that you have an enemy. That means he's already got his chokehold on your life. That means he's already got you delusional and confused because you don't even know that he's present. You don't even know that he's there. We need churches to preach the word of God again. Amen? So that when we gather, we can expect the power of Jesus. Amen? Because without Jesus, nobody's getting set free. I said without Jesus, nobody is getting set free. I don't care what you dress like on a Sunday morning. You can look the part and be just like Jesus called the Pharisees. He said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You look as though you are religious. You look as though you might know God, but your heart is far from me. There's nothing in your life that reveals that you have met with Jesus. No chains are being broken. Every curse remains. But everybody say this with me. Say, with Jesus. Say, with Jesus. The sick are healed. Amen? The masses are fed. The blind can see. The demons flee. Deaf ears are open and the dead are raised. Amen? You mean to tell me that we should settle for anything less than Jesus? No, no, my friend. Never. 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 Do not be deceived. 
He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying and what the Lord is wanting to do. A church that holds Jesus above all things can expect his power. Amen? That is a church that exalts Jesus as as the primary, as the number one, as the priority in their life can expect the power of God to move. A church that preaches God's word in its fullest can expect the power of God to move. A church that welcomes the free movement of the Holy Spirit can expect God to move. You can expect the Lord to move in your midst. And so, how many of you desired the the power of Jesus in this place? Amen? How many of you desire the power of Jesus every time that you gather? Amen? Then listen, we have to expect it. That's part of faith. Psalm 77 in verse 13 says, Your ways, O God, are holy. He said, What God is so great as our God? He says, You are the God who performs miracles and you display your power amongst the people. This is our God, church. Amen? I said, This is our God. You see, the God that we serve, He is powerful, church. He is not weak. He is not frail or incapable of meeting your needs or desires. But sometimes people make Jesus out to be a powerless God. Well, how is that that you might say, how can we make Jesus powerless by not having faith? Faith is what pleases him. Faith is what moves his life, church. Imagine if the very thing that we need to please God with has been the very thing that we have not used. The very thing that God has given you to please him with could be the very thing that you are failing to use. Think about it this way. When was the last time you stepped out in faith to tell somebody about Jesus? You see, that's a move of faith. That is a move of faith to tell somebody about Jesus. It is a move of faith to pray over somebody's life. It is a move of faith when you say, you know what, I need to to pray for this individual. It is a move of faith when you are moved in your heart to give something to somebody. It is a move of faith when you go out of your way to, to share the gospel with somebody's life. But you'll never move in faith, and you'll never move in faith if you don't move beyond yourself. You stay silent every single day. Now, I know that church people are really awesome, and you guys are fantastic. I see that you share all the stuff that we do here at church on social media, and you share the messages, and you, you put it online, and, and, and that's, that's great. But that's not witnessing. That's not being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Thanks for sharing it. I do appreciate it. Pastor appreciates it. All the views are nice to look at on YouTube, but guess what? That's not the gospel. Every single one of us is responsible to tell this world about the name of Jesus, about the one that saved us from our sin, and the one who was crucified upon a cross more than 2,000 years ago because we were his enemy. We have the responsibility of telling of the matchless name of Jesus to everyone, every man, woman, and child, to those who are far from him and to those who are in the very roof of this building. We have the responsibility to bring the life of Jesus to people that we encounter on a daily basis, church. You know, we live in a very religious society. Amen. I just said that. And here in the Rio Grande Valley where we live, I've lived here now for 25 years. This past June has been 25 years that I've been here. That's crazy to even think about. 
But one thing that I've noticed about this valley is this, is that people are very religious. That is, they like the notion of having God in their life, but they don't want to do anything with God, and they don't want to do anything for God. They say, oh, well, it's, it's nice to have the pastor pray for me. Oh, thank you, pastor. God bless you, man of God. Oh, it's nice to be able to go to church on a Sunday morning and fulfill my religious duty because I was there from 1030 to 12. So God's got to put that in my bank account in heaven so that I can be good with him one day. And listen, all along, God is looking at those who think that their religion is going to save them. He's looking at you and he's saying, listen, no man can do anything. No man can work enough. No man can go to church enough to ever receive my kingdom. You must do the will of my father in heaven he who does the will of God he who walks in the spirit are sons and daughters of God nothing else and nothing less it takes faith to speak his name it takes faith to preach the gospel Romans 10 and verse 14 says how can they call on the one who they have not believed in you know it's our responsibility right amen How can they not believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? Verse 15, and how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Verse 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. I love this next part. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, yes. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faithless environments don't talk about Jesus. Faithless environments don't talk about Jesus. That's why there's no miracles in mega churches. That's why there's things that ain't happening in, in, you know, a big, a big congregational setting. Because guess what? They're not actually talking about Jesus. It's about fulfilling man's plan and on man's timing and in man's way. I don't want man's way. I don't want man's way. I want his way. Amen. His way works, church. Amen. But it says faith comes through hearing the message and the message is heard. That means it's received to the heart through the word about Christ. It's not the gospel without Jesus. Amen. And you're not a Christian without faith. Scripture proves that Christ won't display his power if no faith expectancy exists. Matthew 13 and 58 says, And the works of power which he did there were small in number because they had no faith. Another translation, the one you have on the screen says, And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It goes hand in hand. Amen? It goes hand in hand. You have to believe. But can I encourage somebody today? Can I encourage you this evening? Sometimes I understand that it's not the easiest thing to come to church expecting God's power to be displayed when it feels like the enemy has been beating you up. I get it. Amen? You say, Pastor Duke, man, you know, I know many of you personally and, and many of you send me things to pray for and things that you're going through in your life. And guess what? I get it. Sometimes it's difficult to say, man, you know, I'm going to be super hopeful or super, you know, excited. You know, I'm going to be super trusting in God when it feels like, you know, you've barely made it to church. 
you barely, you know, got, got into the house of God because it felt like the enemy was just beating you up all week. When it feels that prayers have been delayed or unanswered. When it feels as though you're the only one experiencing that kind of trouble. When it seems as if nobody understands. This, though, church, is when the grace of God, everybody say the grace of God. This is when the grace of God takes over, amen, because he knows your heart. He knows that you've been travailing. He knows that you've been battling. He knows that's what Romans chapter 8 was talking about. He knows that there's something, there's been a groaning in your heart and in your life. There's been something that you've been hoping for and expecting. He knows all of those things, church. He sees that pain that you're dealing with. He sees that thing that you are found in the middle of. And even Christ found himself, church, in despair. Even Jesus found himself in that same situation the night he was taken into captivity. He uttered these words. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42, he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, he said, may your will be done. We all sometimes feel like God, could you just let me tap out of this one? This fight has been so long. This warfare that I've been going through, it's so exhausting, God. It's so tiresome to my life. Keep the faith, church. Amen? Keep the faith. The Bible says that we are pressed, but we're not crushed. Amen? It says we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Amen? It says we're struck down, but we are not destroyed because of Jesus. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Yes. And so he knows your heart. My encouragement to you is to keep doing the work of the kingdom because the Lord understands. Amen. The second thing when you come to worship is this, is you need to expect his presence. Expect the presence of God. That is, we need to expect the Holy Spirit to move in the church when we gather together in worship. This occurred regularly when the New Testament church was, was birthed. The Spirit was active and alive in their midst. That is like this. When Paul and Silas prayed in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says they prayed and they sang in the midnight hour. And the Bible says that the prison doors shook. See, when you worship, the prison doors shake. Amen? When you gather get together and you say, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to worship you even if it hurts, God. Even if it's difficult, God, I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances. Because this is the will of God concerning my life in Christ Jesus. The prison will shake off of your life. Every single day the enemy is trying to take you captive over again. Every single day. Through deceit, through lies, through, through tricks, through attacks on your body, whatever it may be. He's always trying to take you back into captivity. I'll never forget the Israelites. The Bible says that they had appointed a leader. Oh, man, everybody say, oh, Israelites. Say, oh, Israelites. Say, oh, we're the Israelites. <laughs> the Bible says that they appointed a leader to stand up and tell Moses and say, hey, we're going back to Egypt. Isn't that a dumb plan? They elected somebody to say, yeah, we're all, we all want to go back into captivity. 
This promised land with these these Amalekites and these Philistines and these people that seem way too big for us to conquer. No, no, I don't want that. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to that place where we're in bondage. But the Bible says, church, when you worship, when you lift up his name, when you magnify the name of Jesus, whatever the enemy has tried to use to take you captive with is broken in the spirit. So as you worship and as you pray, the chains begin to fall off. And that thing that the enemy has tried to capture your life with, it's broken off in Jesus' name. Amen? No weapon formed against you will prosper, says the word of the Lord. These past you know, few services, we've seen the Holy Spirit move in different ways. Amen? That is, we've seen people speak with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We've seen a Holy Spirit baptism. We've seen physical healings on people's life. We've seen salvation. You see, this, I believe, is what should happen when we gather. That the presence of the Lord begins to move. As I was praying with our worship team and our media team right before the service, I said, listen, even in your service to God, even in your work and in in, in your doing for the Lord, Pray that God would still touch you even behind a camera, even behind an instrument, even behind a microphone. Pray and have an expectancy in your life that just like the Bible says when Zacchaeus knew that Jesus was passing by, the Bible says that he climbed that sycamore tree. And he wasn't willing to let Jesus just simply be in his midst but not get a touch for himself. And I want to encourage you today, listen, you know, sometimes you see somebody else in church and they look like they're getting blessed and they look like they're getting healed and they look like they're getting touched. And and sometimes we're just quick to just kind of stand by the wayside and go, oh, well, I guess it wasn't for me. No, I want to encourage you, listen, if you know that Jesus is in the house, you need to run to him. Amen. You need to get his attention. You need to climb a tree if necessary and say, Jesus, I'm here. Have mercy on me, Lord. And not miss the opportunity for God to touch your life. Amen. I believe that's what church is all about. When we gather church, it's not just a gathering of brothers and sisters, but it's a gathering of brothers and sisters in harmony. That is, we're desiring one thing and the same thing. And that is for the presence of God to move. Amen. Psalm 133 says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together and live together in unity. It said it's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. This is for there the Lord bestows his blessing and even life evermore. Amen. How many of you desire the blessings of God in your life? Amen. Then join us in saying this, that we invite the freedom of the Holy Spirit to have his way with us every time we gather. Amen? That should be the prayer of every person. That when you gather with a brother or sister in Jesus' name, you say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you want to do, God. If you need to break things off of my life, God, if you need to humble me, God, if you need to heal me, God, if you need to lovingly discipline me, God, whatever it is that I need, Lord, I place my life in your hands. I place my life upon the potter's will because it's not about us, church. It's about him having his way through us. Amen? Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 says, In the last days, the Lord says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He said, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. He said, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. It says, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. You see, I believe, church, that Jesus has already begun doing what he wants to do here at Rock of Ages. And I pray that the Lord will begin to do everything that he wants to do in all of our churches throughout the world. Amen. I pray that we continue to welcome the presence of Jesus when we gather. See, the Holy Spirit is welcome, church, when you worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. I said, the Holy Spirit is welcome when you worship him in spirit and in truth. I love what David said. He said this. He said, I will become even more undignified than this. That is, David wasn't concerned about the people to his right or to his left. David's like, listen, if I got to shout, I'm going to shout. If I got to worship him, I'm going to worship him. If I got to fall on my face before his presence, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That is, he was worshiping in spirit. He wasn't allowing his flesh to control what his spirit wanted to do. That's a good time to say amen. A lot of times we're too self-conscious about what the person next to us is thinking about us, about what we wore to church that day, about how somebody will think about you, about when you walk up to this altar, oh, they're going to think, oh, man, they got sin in their life. Listen, we're all sinners. If you got a praise, then get your praise on, amen? If you got worship, then get your worship on. Don't be afraid of what somebody's going to say. I love in the book of Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians, it talks about this. It was talking about food and, and, and customs and manners, but it was literally saying this. It says, listen, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink. Don't be concerned about those things because it is more important to be concerned about what he's concerned about. Don't be thinking about what somebody else is is doing today. You could be jumping and shouting because you have been redeemed by God. And that is your opportunity to show the Lord how much you love him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth, it means that the opposite is false. So the opposite of spirit and truth is, is flesh and falseness. John 4, 24, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than it reveals the Christ within us. Nowadays, there's such a thing called a worship movement. And it's actually not a worship movement. It's an idolatry train. It is a lot of people that are following certain musicians and singers that have now exalted themselves and they're no longer exalting the name of Jesus. Trust me, it's very easy to recognize and identify. When they're wearing mink coats and they're talking about how famous they are now and how good that they look on on stage and all this stuff and they don't mention the name of Jesus, they're idolatrous people. And they're people that have no business standing before God and standing before his people in a false worship. We need to understand, church, that when the culture in worship, rather, reflects more about the culture around us and less about who he is, then we've got it completely backwards. 
There's another quote that I've read some years ago that said this. It said, what you worship is what you give your time to. How long you spend your time involved in something or doing something, that's what you worship. For some people, that might look like the worship of their family. You say, but Pastor Duke, I don't place them on an altar. Yeah, but the altar of your life is your time. The altar of your life is your time. It's what you've prioritized. It's what you've given yourself most to is what you worship. Let me continue on. We need to know that we accept the presence of Jesus in us. Amen? That is, we welcome Jesus into this place, and we accept his presence in us. Because Genesis 6 and 3 says this, The Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal, and his days will be 120 years. What does that mean? That means that God, church, is is interested in inhabiting your heart. Amen? Amen? But this battle of you saying you can come in or no, you can't, it's not going to go on. It's not going to be this thing that God's going to give grace to happen forever. There has to be a day and there has to be a moment where you say, Jesus, you are king of my heart. You can abide here and you can live with me forever. Amen. Let's keep on going. We allow the teaching of the Lord. This is how the Holy Spirit and his presence moves. John 16 and 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, and he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you of what is yet to come. Amen? This is how we facilitate the presence of God. And the fourth thing is this, is we give him a home. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12 says this, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. He said, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That is, you have given him residence in your life. The Spirit is now leading you. He's in control. He is steering the ship of your heart every single day. Is Jesus Lord of your life? See, that word Lord means that he has dominion, he has control, and that his kingdom reigns over your life. You don't tell him what to do. You wait for instruction from him. And finally, I feel the church needs to do this, is we need to expect his appearing. Amen? We need to expect the appearing of Jesus. In a world that's full of temporary expectations, we need not forget the most important thing to expect, and that is the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you are waiting for that day? Amen. It's not common, though, for young people to have their mind on what they're going to be doing 20, 30 years from now. Or even possibly thinking about their eternity. Most young people would say, why should I think about eternity today? And the answer is this, is if you think about your eternity today, that nobody's days are secure, but rather what the word of God teaches you, that everyone's days are numbered, then it will in doubt change the way that you live now. If you think with eternity on your mind, every single day that you live, it will change the way that you live and the way that you serve God. 
Because you know that at any moment, you could cross that threshold from death in these mortal bodies to life in eternity in the presence of heaven. The strongest Christians are the ones that have their eyes on the prize of heaven. Amen? Notice when Jesus spoke about heaven, he spoke of many illustrations. And in many of those times, he used that word preparation. He spoke of a king that prepared a wedding banquet in Matthew 22. He spoke of the kingdom of heaven as like a landowner who went out early to tend to the vineyard in Matthew 20. He spoke of the five foolish and the five wise virgins in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1. And we need to remember, church, that today that we need not forget that he will return. Amen? I said, he will return, and we need to prepare for that return now. That is to assure our salvation in Jesus, because today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 says this, Now we know that if, if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Amen? Verse 5, 2 Corinthians 5 and 5 says, So now it is God who has made us, for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What's to come? Thank you for asking. What's so good about living for Jesus is this. What's so good about living for Christ today to secure our eternity tomorrow? Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It says, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne of heaven saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away in verse 5 for he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new and then he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true church this is what we are going to expect this is what you have to look forward to this is why we have hope and expectancy in our life because the bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from this mortal life that we are living in now is to one day behold the one who you call Savior. To behold the one that you have worshipped all this time. To behold the one whose word has changed your life. To behold the one who has redeemed your soul. This is why, church, this is why when you gather, it's supposed to be about Him. We owe him everything. We owe him everything. I thank God that he gave me breath in my lungs. Because some of you don't know this about my life. But for the first 20 years of my life, I was tormented by asthma. I can't even tell you how many times I was in the hospital. I was flatlining. I was blue in my face and my lips. I had no breath and life in my body. But Jesus said, I have a plan for you, son. I have a plan for you. And no matter what the enemy is trying to use to take you out of this world, God has a plan for your life. 
No matter what the enemy has tried to use to destroy your life, to handcuff you, to keep you in prison and in chains. Listen, God can use anybody. And I want everyone within the sound of my voice tonight to understand that the Lord has a plan for your life. And for some of you, you have already walked in it and you are walking in it every single day. But there's somebody in this room who has yet to step into what God wants to do in their life. Because maybe you're fearful. Maybe you feel as though you're inadequate. Maybe you feel as though your past is too too big. You say, God, how can you use me? God can use anybody. God said, if you're not going to cry out and worship me, I can tell the rocks to worship me. I heard this the other day and it just broke my heart in the most awesome way. said it took God six days to create the world. It took him six days to create everything that you see and know, the mountains, the trees, the birds, the the waters. But it took him nine months to create you. And the reason God put so much careful attention in weaving you together in your mother's womb because of the grand plan that he has for your life. The reason that God puts so much detail in forming you and in creating you was so that you could one day be used for his purposes. The reason that the Lord wanted so bad for you to know his name is so that at the end of the day, through your life, you could give him glory. All this time, God has longed to know you in a way that you've said, God, I don't even, not even fit to step foot in your courts, Lord. I'm not even worthy, God, to to stand before your presence. I'm not even worthy, God, to, to pray, God, you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've been. You don't know the shame that I have hanging over my life. And the Lord, I believe, would say to every single one of us, I nailed your shame to the cross. I nailed your pain to the cross. I nailed your shortcomings and your frailties. I nailed your inadequacies. I nailed every single thing about your past, every single word of condemnation, every single thing, every single curse that was in your family lineage. I nailed it to the cross. And if you would just come to me, And you would just surrender to me. And you would just give your heart and your life to me. I could do the miraculous through you. I could do the unthinkable through your life. All you have to do is give your heart to me. This whole time, Jesus has been warring for lordship of your heart. And some of you have been battling with things in the world. And you've been going back to things that the enemy has been using to pull you back into lifestyles that the Lord has set you free from. Listen, I pray tonight that you would open your heart to receive everything that Jesus has for you. 
so that that curse that was been upon your life of that 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 curse of 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 a reverse cycle in your life that has you going back to that vomit like the bible says you go back to your sin like a dog goes back to vomit that thing would be broken in your life because you give your heart fully to jesus